Hello there, my name is Ritik Shah, and this is the CISA Podcast. Alright guys, for this episode we're featuring Andrew Lewis, who's a data scientist at RBC. He specifically works under the Financial Crime Division, and I got to sit down with him and ask him questions such as why he chose to do data science, what it's like in the industry thus far, and how you guys can get into data science as well. So let's get on with it. Okay. Okay. All right, Andrew, thanks for coming in today. No problem. Technically not coming in, we're at RBC. Just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your role and maybe your university experience. Sure. So my name is Andrew. Uh, I work uh, as a data scientist full-time at uh, RBC. Uh, I work in AML and financial crime. Specifically, I work in the global risk analytics division uh, under uh, insights and analytics. And uh, I actually graduated from the University of Waterloo uh, last October, where I studied um, mathematics. I majored in statistics and I minored uh, in CS. I was part of the co-op program there. That's how I got exposed uh, to this sort of field. And then I rejoined RBC right after graduating. Okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose to go into data science? So that's a g- good question. My exposure to data science is sort of interesting. Um, when I was uh, in first year, I was actually doing a math business degree. And, um, you know, it was going well. Uh, but I actually, as part of my first co-op, I worked uh, in a data science firm doing uh, sales and marketing, mm-hmm. and I was exposed to data science, mm-hmm. uh, not directly as a data scientist, but just through what the firm did. And I was like, this looks really cool. This is really exciting. This was back in like 2014 when uh, big data was like, uh, you know, a really, uh, you know, sexy term <laughs> and machine learning was brand new. Yeah. Uh, Python was not the de facto language of data science at the time. So just things were different, but yeah. uh, it looked like a very promising field. And that's when I subsequently switched into uh, statistics and CS uh, okay. at Waterloo so I could focus on uh, data science. So, yeah. Okay. And so uh, this firm, well, did you work on like a data science team or the whole company was data science? So the company built uh, software solutions and services that were uh, built around predictive analytics. And uh, I worked in sales and marketing as part of sort of uh, like selling the software. So okay. tracking um, uh, like the, the, the sales of the software and uh, using like CRM tools like Salesforce and stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah, around, mainly around the, the software itself. Got so, it. Yeah. And when you, when you decided that you want to switch into data science, were you, was your mindset such that you wanted, be, you wanted like, you were specific as to what job you wanted to do? So data analyst, data scientist, or data, data engineer? Or were you just thinking, okay, I've learned a little bit about data science. I've kind of seen how things work in this field. Mm-hmm. I just want to learn everything I can about it. And I just want to, I just have a general idea of what I want to pursue. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. So I would say for me, the switch was mainly focused on the word big data. Mm-hmm. So the idea of, um, you know, utilizing a large or leveraging a large data set 
um, in order to make sort of meaningful insights for a client. Okay. Um, you know, whether that be through EDA or through machine learning, that was all sort of unknown to me. But the idea of making um, meaningful insights from large data sets was extremely interesting. Okay. And that sort of encompasses uh, all three. Um, I didn't know uh, like the stratification of each sort of, but um, I knew what big data was and I found it intriguing. Okay, so the next question I have for you is, you, you said that uh, after your co-op term at the data firm, mm -hmm. you were um, hell-bent on data science, yeah. right? And you knew that, okay, to get to data science, I need to structure my uh, course sequence in a certain way, take more stats mm -hmm. courses, some computer science courses. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a question for people who are looking to go into data science, right? So the first perspective is, I just graduated high school. I already know that I want to do data science. Mm -hmm. um, and how would I structure my course sequence? What courses should I take? Mm -hmm. What side projects should I work on? And then I have a second perspective, but I'll ask that later. So let's start with this first perspective first. Sure, so like sort of like an early bloomer, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that's a great question. What would I... Uh, recommend to a high school student getting into this, uh, who wants to get into this field. Uh, I would say definitely study something stats or CS related. And um, in terms of coursework, uh, I would try to have a good foundation uh, in statistics and probability, uh, particularly theoretical uh, probability. Um, what you don't want to do is become a data scientist who chucks data at a model and doesn't understand the way uh, probabilities work, distributions work, overfitting, bias, variance, etc. Um, you need to have a solid foundation of basic statistics and basic um, theoretical probability. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say to a high yeah. school student. Mm -hmm. All right. And let's say you're on the opposite side of the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you're in your third, fourth, or maybe even graduated, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but you feel that you're not satisfied with your degree or the job that you're working in mm -hmm. isn't really for you. Mm -hmm. So how would you say that, okay, I've already spent, I've already studied this degree that I find now useless mm -hmm. or not for me. How would I go about, um, I guess, learning about this data science field, how would I try to navigate into a data science career? What are the things I could learn, pick up as quickly as possible Sweet. and just get myself into that industry? So the best thing about this field is that I've heard of cases where, um, you know, I've, I've worked with data scientists who were former biologists or, um, you know, pure mathematicians, and they come from totally different, you know, research-based fields or all these different sort of fields, but they end up um, in data science uh, with some exposure uh, to particular courses and particular um, learning paths, mm -hmm. um, which is great because there's an unlimited amount of resources on this field out there. So there's good news for people who want to get into this field now. Um, for example, I would start off by learning a programming language. The de facto language uh, for data science is Python. Yeah. There are plenty of resources uh, on the web, plenty of courses that you can take um, that can teach you, uh, uh, you know, a basic programming language like Python. Mm -hmm. uh, and even, um, you know, for database management and uh, for executing queries and stuff, um, you know, learning SQL would be obviously essential. 
uh, for pulling data. And there are plenty of courses, there are a plethora of resources on YouTube and, you know, uh, websites like Code Academy, Coursera, uh, these free online education services that can basically take you from zero to a hero with, uh, with data science, which is very exciting. Okay, so let's say we have a specific scenario where the, the students in first year, second year, they don't really have exposure to stats or um, data science courses, but they really want to get into data science. They also can't do like co-ops in data science just because they're trying to, but they don't have the experience yet. So the companies won't hire them. Mm -hmm. So is there a side project that you've done or uh, what would you recommend these students can do mm -hmm. just to get some experience so they can put it on their resume and then hopefully get hired with that well you you really can't go wrong with um you know kaggle competitions um or even refining your pre-existing skills through websites like leak code and hacker rank mm -hmm. i know that when i was in um like a, sort of an interview process where i was sort of uh you know finding it difficult to attain certain data science jobs um, I was just constantly practicing like on, on leak code, uh, okay. like, you know, every day doing a few problems and, you know, picking the problems that are easy to medium difficulty, because uh, I know in data science, they're not going to ask like a, an intensely hard software engineering level question, yeah. but it's still important to have a good, um, programming foundation. So those are two that I would definitely, uh, recommend, okay. um, Constantly refining your skills. Make sure your resume is up to date and to the best it can be. Um, in my experience, uh, I found the best results with my resume being no less than or no more than a page. Yeah. Right? You want to summarize all of your skills, your two most recent relevant work experiences, and your education, uh, and that's about it. Okay. Uh, there's nothing more than, and maybe a few side projects if you do have them, but. There's nothing more than that. No one wants to see a three-page resume. Yeah. Uh, also, in um, in CS and in data science, um, there's this uh, trend for during the past few years to make uh, your resume very aesthetically pleasing. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, download a resume template from online and sort of go that route, uh, okay. right? So, beef up your resume, um, refine your pre-existing skills, and uh, and keep trying and get involved in Kaggle competitions. Uh, and, and yeah, you should definitely be able to work on something. Okay. So you're, you did your undergrad at University of Waterloo, mm -hmm. which is known for their amazing co-op. So what was uh, your co-op experience like? Uh, you said that right from, right after your first co-op, you knew that you wanted to do data science. So you probably had um, some data science co-ops. Mm -hmm. So just walk us through your mindset of each co-op, how you liked it and uh, just your overall role. Sure. Yeah. So I didn't actually get a like data science title in like a co-op position until my uh, third or fourth co-op. Um, okay. Shortly after leaving the data firm working in sales and marketing, I did like a data analyst, data support job mm -hmm. uh, to sort of just um, uh, ease my way into the field, right? And that sort of exposed me to data science. It was a very introductory job. I used Python, I used SQL, um, but it was more... Um, you know, not heavy on the machine learning size, just sort of uh, ex uh, exposing me to the idea of big data, working with the data set with thousands upon thousands, sometimes millions of rows, okay. right? Uh, then later on, it switched into more, as I gained experience, it switched into more uh, data science heavy um, roles. Uh, so for example, my time at TD was uh, very 
data science oriented. I had data science in my title. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, we essentially, I was on the enterprise and data analytics team. And uh, what we did there was we worked as sort of like an uh, internal consulting firm for different lines of business yeah. uh, as data scientists. Mm -hmm. um, and then at RBC, um, you know, having worked on a fraud project at TD, I sort of realized I kind of like the whole uh, fraud and crime and, um, and AML kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's when I decided to get into RBC's AML uh, data science uh, sort of field. And uh, yeah, it's been great since then. So I, I've actually had exposure uh, to, you know, being that uh, internal data science team that helps uh, different lines of business at like a financial institution. And then I've actually worked uh, as a data scientist within a specific uh, line of business. So that it was good to have that exposure. Okay. So when I go on LinkedIn or Indeed to look for uh, data science jobs, every time it's in the description it says, um, must be pursuing a master's or a PhD mm -hmm. in stats or math or computer science or some related field, right? So that is obviously a problem for students like me in undergrad, where just pursuing a bachelor's degree. So if we don't have the experience, if we don't have master's or PhD, to get the, even like the internships, how do we kind of get the full-time roles, right? So what is your experience with that? And do you actually feel that uh, data science or data science people actually need a master's or PhD? Mm -hmm. um, okay, so the, the good thing about data science as a field is that it, while a master's can be helpful, uh, in terms of career opportunities and in terms of uh, even salary, um, it's not required. It's not necessary. There are fields out there where a post-secondary education uh, or like a, a graduate degree is absolutely necessary uh, for you to even do the job. But uh, our field is different. Um, I would say in my experience uh, through interviews and through applying to jobs, it's more experience-based. Okay. It's more what have you worked on and has what you, you've worked on aligned with what we do at our company uh, in terms of data science, mm -hmm. um, in terms of pursuing a master's, do it if you if you want to pursue a master's. Okay. Don't do it because the field requires you to do it. Um, do it because uh, you like it. Right. Pursue what pursue what you love is is what I think. Um, uh, I don't think I don't find it to be necessary. Uh, oftentimes, in the applications you're talking about, you'll notice yes, they will say uh, MS or PhD preferred. Uh, but then, you know, there'll be another tagline that says something like, uh, or bachelors with X number of years of experience, okay. uh, which is, um, you know, a good indicator that, you know, a bachelor's pr plus substantial experience is just as good as an expensive uh, grad degree. Okay. Um, I would say data science being a new field is more experience based as opposed to <clears throat> uh, higher education based. Yeah, as an example, I don't have a master's. And, uh, you know, I love this field and I love working in it and I'm working full-time as a data scientist. Are you planning to get a master's or a PhD? Not anytime soon. Okay. <laughs> okay, so being a data scientist in RBC, you're working for the anti-money laundering and financial crimes team, right? So I'm guessing you've got to work on some pretty cool things. So what's your coolest project that you're most proud of? Oh, that's a great question. Um, in working in anti-money laundering and financial crime, yeah. um, you're you're often working, um, you know, in sort of human-sided data science. As data science, you're you're catching bad guys, basically. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, one of the projects that I worked on as an intern here uh, was essentially a machine learning model that was designed to uh, track um, or sorry, detect street level trafficking of opiates like okay. fentanyl. Okay. Uh, fentanyl is like a huge issue, particularly in Western Canada. It's a public health issue. Uh, it's going to become one of the top 10 uh uh, highest causes of death um, in BC very mm -hmm. soon, mm -hmm. uh, which is crazy. So um, it was really interesting to work on that project uh, because, you know, um, you're using data science for something that's good. Uh, it goes beyond uh, the bank, right? Um, anyone would want, uh, you know, a street level trafficker of an opiate uh, to be brought to justice. So it's, it's cool to build a model that helps, uh, that facilitates that. What's interesting about models uh, like the one I just mentioned is that they're often imbalanced data problems. So you're working with, um, you know, a few cases of, uh, of bad guys uh, and, you know, you've got a lot of cases of good guys. I mean, most of us are not drug dealers. Yeah. Uh, and that, that really changes the way you approach um, um, your machine learning model um, because you want the, the machine learning model to not be biased uh, towards the, the majority uh, class. In this case, it would be uh, innocent folks, people who aren't drug dealers. So sort of handling that data uh, is, an, is an interesting process as well. There are lots of techniques to handle that data and different machine learning models you can use that better handle that data. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that was an interesting project that I worked on. So from this current co-op experience, I've kind of learned that, um, that features are like the most important thing in the whole, I guess, the whole pipeline yeah right so what is your experience generating features and what like what are some things that work or don't work and what techniques do you usually use to get um the best features sure so in my experience i've actually worked uh with a lot of ground up machine learning models uh, and what's interesting about that is i need to um you know learn what behavior is indicative uh, of what i'm trying to detect um so in the case of um the opiate model that I worked on, uh, you know, I had to look, you know, from the ground up, looking at news articles about, uh, you know, different cases of uh, street level opiate trafficking and looking at what sort of behavior uh, indicates that trafficking and then moving on from there. Uh, in my experience, feature generation is absolutely critical to the machine learning model you're building, particularly in the case of uh, uh, imbalanced data. Um, uh, Hyperparameter tuning is also very important, but what you what you've got your your data is the most essential thing in the entire uh, machine learning pipeline, okay. um, and it's critical uh, that you do your research into what uh, features you're trying to extract, um, whether you've got to better balance your data or standardize your data or scale your data. All these things are extremely important questions uh, that you should consider uh, when building machine learning model. The other day we were talking about. Uh the next big thing in data science is deep learning mm -hmm. and uh, you feel that the industry is going to be really bent towards deep learning mm -hmm. and most employers are going to be looking for that in their resume so mm -hmm. i just want to talk about why you have um, why you feel that way and what you think is important about deep learning sure so deep learning is extremely exciting um you know um, when you look at traditional machine learning models you get to a certain point where 
no matter how much more data you, you, you give your model, your model's mm -hmm. like, all right, I get it. You know, this is a banana, this is an orange, this is an apple. Yeah. Uh, but with deep learning, your model can constantly uh, improve, which is extremely exciting, uh, particularly for things like uh, facial recognition and, um, you know, discerning different images uh, and whatnot. Um, what's also interesting about deep learning is that it's a constantly evolving field. So there, there are research papers out there from you know from th that are very recent that talk about things like geometric deep learning and uh, neural networks on graphs and uh, generalizing convolutional neural networks uh, to you know different data structures like graphs or even manifolds uh, and different surfaces and you know these things are so new that um, I don't see them being implemented anytime soon because they actually require a lot of computational power that uh, a lot of uh, modern firms sort of don't have um, but you know it's an it's an it's a constantly growing field. It's extremely uh, exciting and kind of spooky and scary too, what deep learning can do. Um, so yeah, all very exciting stuff. And let's, again, let's say I'm an undergrad student. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think the best way to learn about deep learning would be? So assuming you've got uh, some knowledge of basic calculus and, uh, and Python, uh, those are basically the two primary things you need to jump into the field of deep learning. I would highly recommend uh, Andrew Ng's uh, deep learning specialization on Coursera. Okay. Uh, it takes you from all, you know, basically from knowing nothing about neural nets to getting into hyperparameter tuning and, and structuring machine learning projects, getting into convolutional neural networks and more uh, advanced neural network algorithms. And you can basically become a pro in, 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 in deep learning uh, within you know like a few months which is extremely exciting so whenever i look at or whenever people look at like job descriptions for data science roles right they always say uh, programming proficiency in python or or experience using packages like uh, pandas numpy scikit-learn mm -hmm. um, but what do you think are some of the most like underrated skills or overlooked skills that um, employers don't really look for or data science data scientists don't really care about? Great question. Um, I can give you one uh, heavily underrated skill that a lot of data scientists lack at the moment, uh, which is communication. Um, in particular, communicating technical ideas uh, to a non-technical or even executive or senior audience. Um, you know, there's this, there's this tendency for data scientists to know every machine learning algorithm out there and to be extremely technical and extremely um, proficient at you know knowing the latest algorithms etc cetera, etc cetera, which is all it's lovely that's great you know that's yeah. important um, but you need to be able to communicate uh, you know your pipeline for your work and uh, you know you need to communicate technical data science concepts uh, to people who are non-technical because this field is new um, AI and machine learning are uh, sexy sort of new words um, that we see in the industry. And it's, it's new for a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. And being able to communicate these ideas uh, in layman's terms is absolutely critical. Being able to present your work uh, as a data scientist and uh, presenting, you know, things like metrics, right? Accuracy, recall, precision, uh, explaining these to a non-technical audience is absolutely essential. In fact, I would argue that not only is it essential, it's actually what's going to get you 
ahead the other data scientists. Okay. Um, you know, every data scientist knows how to structure a machine learning project and anyone can chuck data into a, into a model that works great. Yeah. Being able to explain your results eloquently and, you know, why you chose one algorithm over another, uh, why you pre-process data in a particular way, or why you're looking at certain metrics over others, uh, I think is more important. Uh, being able to communicate that okay. is very important. And I'm, I'm guessing this skill also kind of ties into the fact that, uh, like you said, that anyone can chuck data into a model, right? Mm -hmm. And there's there are companies out there that are, um, I guess, automating the whole model mm -hmm. system, like data robot. Mm -hmm. uh, it can like give you 99% accuracy. On, yeah like some um, some like tasks that you have, mm -hmm. which is just like automated, right? Fully mm -hmm. automated. So mm -hmm. I'm guessing if you have the others, once you've done the automation, you also need to explain it to higher yeah. ups or even to your other colleagues. Yeah. So that skill is mm -hmm. very important because now our field is kind of getting automated. Mm -hmm. And do you, do you, do you think that the field is actually getting automated? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. Okay. Um, you still need a data scientist to be able, uh, a data, data robot essentially takes a data set and builds the absolute best model with the best hyperparameters yeah. uh, for that data set, uh, which is great. But uh, what about feature generation, right? We need to be able to generate features that are meaningful, um, that are processed properly, that have, you know, sort of the best um indicators of behavior that we want to detect or distinguish mm -hmm. and you know you need a human to be able to do that mm -hmm. i guess for now yeah. um, um, also the results of a particular model you need a data scientist to be able to explain those results or even explain the model itself yeah. uh, to uh, a non-technical audience like um, you know um, you may have this fancy uh, crazily tuned XGBoost model um, that data robot might have picked, but being able to communicate, hey, you know, this is a tree at the end of the day uh, to a non-technical audience is essential, I think. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for having this interview. I know I've been keeping you from working time. That's all right. But yeah, thanks for sitting down with me. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. And I hope, I'm sure the audience is going to like mm -hmm. um, what you've spoken about and learning about data science. Thank yeah, you. it's a definitely, it's definitely an exciting field to be in. Yeah. Um, it's very promising. And the resources out there, guys, that exist for this field are endless. Anything related to this field, uh, you can learn today. Okay. Uh, so get out there and start doing it. But remember to be able to communicate your ideas effectively too, because that's very important. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks. thank you for the opportunity. So if you guys have any questions for Andrew, this is the, the best way to reach out to him. Yeah, so you can reach me um, at my LinkedIn. Uh, you just search in Andrew Lewis and uh, something should pop up. You'll see my experience at RBC and TD. And is it just the most common way of spelling Andrew and then Lewis? Or is uh, Lewis is actually L-O-U-I-S. Okay. So not okay. L-E-W-I-S, but L-O-U-I-S. Okay. And yeah, you can reach out to me there. Send me a message. I get messages from students uh, pretty often and I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to help. Okay, perfect. Thank you.